Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Today, SI's Brian Strauss joins me to talk about Real Madrid's uncanny way of winning in UEFA Champions League, Mohamed Salah's insane goal-scoring run for Liverpool, Toronto's gut punch of a loss in the CONCACAF Champions League final, LAFC's remarkable start in MLS, and the reaction to our annual MLS ambition rankings. Onward! All right, let's bring Brian Strauss in from Washington, D.C. It's been two weeks since we've done one of these, my man, so uh, good to get it going again. Uh, well, well, I guess we'll see about that. <laughs> um, lots to talk about going on in the soccer world right now. I am just back from Iceland, uh, which... Uh, you'll see an SI video uh, story about this, uh, our week in Iceland uh, that just ended, uh, SI Magazine story too. But I will say this uh, about Iceland, and this was a question that I asked to a lot of people as I drove around the country last week, is how can a country of 340,000 qualify for the World Cup while our country, a country of 350 million, fails to qualify for the World Cup? And um, in addition to being a beautiful country, we drove around the perimeter of Iceland. Um, we met soccer people along the way. And I came away with this idea that there's a real virtue in the smallness of that country that allows them from a soccer perspective to communicate more easily, to make changes, they get results more quickly. And I feel like there's obviously advantages in having a big country in your talent pool being larger. But also it's a little bit like you're trying to drive an aircraft carrier if, the, if you're U.S. soccer. Yeah, and, you've, got, you've got competing constituencies. You've got competing cultures, competing turf. Um, you know, it's interesting that uh, – there's a certain size of country that has, and 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 much much larger than Iceland. I mean, Iceland is is an outlier in so many ways. But still, you've got your your Belgiums and your Portugals and your Uruguays and 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 some countries that have only a few million people, but yet are consistently competitive because I think they strike a balance between a, a, a decently sized player pool and all of those efficiencies that you're talking about. And then and then for Iceland to make those efficiencies work with that much of a smaller population is obviously a you know, worth your trip over there and all the coverage you're doing. So, yeah, it was just really, I would also say from a tourism perspective, if you haven't been to Iceland and can swing it, go. Um, it's a, a really unique place in terms of just geography and how the place looks. And try to get outside of Reykjavik and and the obvious tourism destinations and maybe rent a car and, and drive around Route 1 uh, around the perimeter of the country like we did. It's just absolutely gorgeous how long does it take to i i've been to reykjavik and just some of the natural sites sort of in that half of the country i mean how long did it take to drive around the whole thing so we did in three days which was a pretty you know driving heavy three days it's a little over 800 miles uh around route one uh but you see just all these different types of of just the way the land, you know, looks. You've got ocean, you've got mountains, you've got volcanic stuff yeah, that looks it's, like it's the, nature run amok on this postage stamp sized island. It's really remarkable, right? And there's a reason why all these 
Hollywood shows and movies, you know, film there in Iceland. Uh, and, you know, there's geothermal energy and geysers and, uh, you know, and just really nice people. Uh, additionally, you know, um, it's, uh, just a really, really cool place. And I'm excited for them in the world cup. You know, they start off against Argentina, uh, which is a real interesting matchup. Uh, and I think Iceland's got a shot to advance. They're in a group that has Argentina, Nigeria, and Croatia. They know Croatia well. They finished ahead of Croatia and winning their World Cup qualifying group. That uh, is a tough. That is a relative on a relative scale, though. I mean, a lot of us think that's one of the two sort of really, really deep groups, along with the Mexico Germany group at the World Cup. I mean, were they? Oh yeah. Were, were they thrilled that hey, we're on this stage? So you know, screw it. We may as well go up against you know. Messi and Modric or were they kind of like ah man we finally make it we sort of got drawn into this this group of death no I think Iceland's fired up for it I mean like they realize now that they're not a fluke that what happened at Euro 2016 where they eliminated England is uh that wasn't a one-off and they know this because they then went through World Cup qualifying in a group that had Croatia Turkey and Ukraine and won the group and, you know, Gilfi Sigurdsson is their star player. And yes, he's been hurt, but he's expected to be healthy for the World Cup. And their whole team chemistry reminds me a little bit of some of the best U.S. teams where they maybe didn't have any star players, but they were able to beat more talented teams just because of the way they approach the game. So... We should go to that game, man. It's going to be in Moscow, Iceland, Argentina. We're going to be in Moscow. Uh, yeah, I got a, I got a note. I got an email from the organizing committee a few days ago saying that um, a lot of the games in Moscow had been oversubscribed Ooh. for the for the press seating. Huh. So that'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, sort of like, you know, media being the media, the media who don't get a match ticket and get shut out sort of, you know, standing outside the Luzhniki with pitchforks and torches. We'll, we'll see what happens. Probably that would include uh, media from countries that didn't qualify for the World Cup. That is how it works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Let's Bot- hear- bottom, of the, bottom of the totem pole next uh, this, summer, this summer. Let's hear it for yeah. watching games in the stadium press area, but not being able to get a seat inside the stadium. On those, plas- on those white plastic floorboards. <laughs> you remember the, the tables that had like a, a, a desk lamp every six inches? <laughs> that was my obsession in Brazil was like the half of the organ, half of the organizing budget going toward all these bullshit desk lamps <laughs> that nobody was using. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's that. Thanks, Sports Illustrated. You're you're sending me to Moscow to watch games uh, from the uh, fiberglass media center. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm fired up. For, I'm getting fired up for the World Cup. I mean, like we're getting close. Obviously, the U.S. isn't involved, but there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, and this trip, I think, got me in that frame of mind I'm talking to the say, Iceland yeah. national yeah. team coach, getting a sense of how this country has fallen for their national team. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a really cool story that that we end up producing. Has it, here. has it had any impact on their interest in their own league and their own clubs and stuff like that? Is that has it sort of trickled down to to that? I mean, or or do they do they sort of overlook their own league or are they well, you know, like like the rest of us, you know, watching England and Spain and sort of sort of looking down their nose at their own clubs or do they do they turn out and support those teams as well? 
No, the home clubs in the Iceland League, which just started this past weekend due to their general weather situation, um, you know, they, they get support. Um, it's a different type of situation in that compared to like MLS in the US because in MLS you have US national team players, whereas basically none of the Iceland national team players play in the domestic league. It, it's not even a fully professional league. Okay. But... Yeah, uh, the league started this past weekend. There was a, a rivalry game on Friday between two of the more traditional teams in Reykjavik. And uh, can you say their names, or would you would you have was, a stroke if you tried? No, I think it was it was Valor and KR. I, I didn't go to it because I had to fly back to the U.S. But uh, the two other SI video guys who were there with me the whole time did go, and oh, they said awesome. they, they had a blast. Um, so I wrote an article about during, during Euro 2016, um, Avi asked me to write an article. We were just chatting and I, uh, mentioned I had seen Iceland to play Ukraine in a qualifier in Reykjavik a few years ago. He's like, Oh my God, you should write about that. And I of course bristled and, you know, argued and didn't want to, cause I don't like writing about myself, but, uh, you know, he's the editor. So eventually that that's an argument that he's going to win. Um, and so I did. So if you want to Google that and read about what it was like to see uh, an Iceland game in Iceland um, before this uh, renaissance and revolution, um, it's on uh, SI.com. And yes, cool. everyone was extremely, extremely impossibly friendly. And everything there is very quaint. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. Um, other things going on. My book comes out tomorrow, or at least it comes out Tuesday. So when this comes out, it will be the day of the release. It's pretty, uh, damn, it's pretty damn exciting. It's my first book in nine years. Can you believe that much time has passed? You are a procrastinator. I am. Um, but I'm excited because like, you spend all this time sort of with a project that no one else is with you while you're writing it. And now you have a chance to actually show it to the world. And you've I always written, like you've, it. you've always written your books in interesting places, right? You wrote the Beckham book in South Africa. And right, then, and then weren't you like on an Indian reservation in Arizona or something like that when you were writing this? You, you yeah, were, yeah, I was on an Apache reservation in eastern Arizona where my wife, who's a doctor, was working for over a month last summer. And uh, because there was nothing else to do out there, uh, I ended up writing the majority of the book there. Um, and they had a staying in this, I think it was hospital housing that had no AC and it was 100 degrees and there were ants all over the kitchen. Uh, and, <laughs> and so I actually took a picture of the place after, as we left and I have this kind of weird affinity for it now. Is this they, place... they, they, I wish there was like a way in the book, like at the back, like in the, in the acknowledgements or whatever to just have like a photo of your aunt covered the kitchen. <laughs> I tried to deal with the ant problem cause I was cooking in that kitchen every night. Uh, and every morning I would still come out and there would be more ants. So, uh, not the most comfortable experience ever, but I think it's good to get out of your comfort zone as Jurgen Klinsmann would say. You're having an event, right? I'm not trying to tee you up. Like I'm honestly asking, like you're having an event or something. Literally. Yeah. So, uh, Tuesday night, if you're a listener in the New York city area, uh, 7 PM at Smithfield hall, the best soccer bar in New York on West 25th between sixth and seventh. Um, come on, join me, have a beer. Buy a book, sign it, or I'll sign it for you. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited that it's finally happening. And uh, 
I had a really educational experience over two years doing the interviews with uh, people at every position. Uh, and hopefully what I learned is communicated on the page. I also learned that your book in England is entitled Football 2.0. Yes, it is not Masters of Modern Soccer. Right, that is hilarious. Nor, it's like nor it's like is it you, Masters you, of Modern Football, but okay, that's fine. Right? No, like it's like when you re, when you hear about like how movies have hysterical titles. <laughs> you know, it's, um, anyway, I just I I found that amusing. I think part of the reason is because the term modern football has negative connotations at times over there. Maybe. Oh right, against modern football, right? People, people people chant that or say that or yeah that's true that's a okay that's the, that's a thoughtful explanation for it i accept a- that apparently the book has also been sold in russia so i'm curious to see what title they come up with there but um anyway let's move on um lots happening uh domestically in soccer internationally in soccer um uefa champions league we are speaking the day before the second legs of the semifinals. You've got Liverpool 5, Roma 2, and Real Madrid 2, Bayern Munich 1. And we're going to see Liverpool make the final, aren't we? Probably, yeah. I was, I was, it was nice to, see, nice to see Roma sort of gather itself and, 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 you know, produce a little bit at the end of that game just so we know that at least, you know, Possibly there's a miracle, you know, it's worth watching the it's worth watching, you know, the second leg because you never know. Um, Whereas if it was five goals, you know, you may as well, like, go get your hair done. Um, But uh, yeah. And then but for me, for me, it's still about just Real Madrid's incredible, intangible, transcendent ability to to bend games to their will, to make the play that has to be made, to get the bounce or the call. It's just an inc- it's just remarkable to me. I, I don't get – I'm not a Madrid fan. I actually find them kind of annoying. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not thrilled by it, but I'm in awe of it. I'm in awe um, that they're able to do what they do against the top teams in the, in the world consistently. Um, and, you know, t- they're the favorites to win, um, you know, another one to me. I mean, it's they're the team to beat. Yeah, and that would be, what, three in a row and four out of five? Four out of five, yeah. So I find this fascinating comparing this to the early 2000s and the Galacticos of Real Madrid and how they got these amazing players but didn't really win much of anything. And from a star power perspective, those Madrid teams were 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 – bigger and brighter and theoretically should have been better than the one we've seen the last few years. Um, what is it that you see in this Madrid team, which is miles away from the top of La Liga this season, allows them to continue to do this in champions? It's impossible to describe it. it, it I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a good enough writer or, or, you know, I don't structure the right word usements to, to, explain it um it it is you know were you surprised when they won that penalty against juventus were you surprised no you saw it coming i mean it's it's like you know what is god god was it marcello's goal was 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 it against against Bayern? yeah it's been forever it's just look you know it's an easy bleed into into the ccl right and toronto having their chances 
against Chivas, you know, Toronto being every bit Chivas is equal um, and having multiple opportunities in the first and second leg to score the goal that would have won them that title. And they just didn't. Um, and Madrid always does. They just always do. Someone always just makes a play. And I, and I'm not on the training ground. I'm not there in the locker room. There's no way for me to know if that's something that can be taught or worked on, or if it's simply uh, an intangible look, I, I bring it up all the time. Why do the caps always lose to the penguins? Why it, it, it's, it's one team is full of winners and the other team just isn't. And Madrid is just full of winners and they show it every year. And I know that's cliched and I know it's not, People are like, why you get paid to say this crap? I mean, but I, I can't explain it. Um, and you know what? If other people could explain it, if other people understood it, they would do it too. Um, there's just something about this group, and I think Ronaldo plays a huge role in it, um, that just has, like I said, the ability to master a moment, um, the likes of which I are just so rare in sports. Um, you know, you could, you could pick out the athletes on one hand who can do this. Um, and they do it every time. It's just it's just incredible. And 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 it allows you it 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 fee, it, it dovetails more with cup football than with league football, right? Because leagues are about the grind, the week in, week out, the trips to Leganes and Ibar and and you know La Coruña, you know, and just all this kind of stuff. But on the big you know on the big stage in ninety minutes, you know, with one play, one shot. Madrid always just finds a way. It's it's just it's just something something remarkable. I kind of am holding out hope that Mohamed Salah of Liverpool, who is in a zone at least in Champions League, but basically in every game that few players ever get into from a goal scoring perspective, that he might equalize some things with with Real Madrid. He, he may he may do it, but I wouldn't bet on it. Like I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't. And this is nothing against Mo Salah. It's just about Madrid. Like, if I had money to bet on the Champions League, on a one-off, on, on a game where, where one player or one team had to make a play, you know, I, I'd bet on Madrid. I'd, you know, if, in a penalty shootout, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a situation just where the stakes and the tension are highest, I put my money on that team every single time. It doesn't mean it's going to go that way every single time. But I just think you're foolish to think it's not going to go that way. It's just the evidence is there. Did I mention that I sat down with Mo Salah in Liverpool recently? I mean, I knew that. I'm trying to figure out how much I should say about that. I think I'm going to hold off for a little while, but it was really cool. He's an interesting guy. Um, soon to be in SI Magazine, by yeah. the way. Um, I would love to think I my I've come up with this you know scenario in which Mohamed Salah wins uh, World Player of the Year. Um, and to do that, he's going to have to win Champions League. Going to have to win Champions League and 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 do something at the World Cup. Um, do do something. Don't yeah. need to win. And he's set up to do that. Obviously, that that group is just so wide open. And and um, you know, I, I think that's cool. I think it's cool that 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 Egypt has a runway in in Russia uh, to get something done. Um, and it's going to be really really fascinating to watch. And yeah, like you said, he's in such a zone that there's no there's no. I wouldn't bet against him to get you know scoring goals there. You know, he got. You know, Egypt, the Egypt, the Egyptian national team was the opposite of Madrid, right? The Egyptian national team was a team that found a way to to bottle it at the end right. of, of every qualifying cycle, and and you need you need something to change the mojo, um, and and Salah Salah did it, so the, he's he's clearly special. So let's talk a little bit about Toronto and Champions League and Concacaf because. Uh, 
the second the Toronto won MLS Cup in December, people in Toronto were talking about, we want to win Champions League. And they did, it seemed like, just about everything right. They eliminated Tigres. They eliminated America. They get to a final against Chivas de Guadalajara, a team that is not as good as Tigres second not as good finish, as America. Finished second to last in Liga MX. Right. Um, and didn't and, have to play another Mexican team on the way at any point during the tournament. <laughs> had, had as easy a draw as a Mexican team could possibly have. <laughs> and yet, here we are yep. with uh, yet another year in which MLS does not win CONCACAF Champions League. And so we talked all during this knockout stage of the tournament about, oh, MLS is finally turning the corner. When Toronto goes out in the final this way on penalties after winning two to one down in Mexico, what are you left with in in terms of your thoughts? Well, to, I don't think we did, though. I don't think we did say that MLS was turning a corner. I mean, I think we said... Toronto is, is, is establishing a blueprint. Toronto is doing things right. But I, I, I feel like we agreed that MLS hasn't turned a corner collectively until this becomes a regular occurrence. Um, and even if Toronto had won that shootout, I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about penalty kicks. Right. So even if Toronto had won that shootout, I still wouldn't be ready to say that MLS has turned a corner. This is about, this run was about Toronto and it was extraordinary. And, and, and their draw was so much more difficult than Chivas's on a on a on a relative scale and an absolute scale. They, they had to go through such a tougher road, um, and they came up just short. They had chances to win. They were not outplayed. They had chances. Josie Altador had two clear cut chances in the first leg. Marky Delgado, um, nice rising young talent, nice kid. I got to meet him in Raleigh after the Paraguay game. He had the title on his foot in in Guadalajara. Um, they missed two penalty kicks. So you're talking about inches. You're talking about slivers. The ones Madrid always finds a way to, 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 to get over and the ones Toronto just couldn't. Um, but, but to me, this was a, this was a story of one club and, and one club's ambition and one club's, um, you know, approach and the way they built that roster and the way through patience and attention to detail, Greg Vanny sort of created a team that was so flexible. I mean, Michael Bradley and 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 Vanderveel played center back in the in the second leg. I mean, it, and 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 they won the game. I mean, this is a team that can do so many things, so many different ways. Um, and and it's the exception, every bit the exception in MLS, and not the rule. And that's frustrating. Um, it's also understandable considering where the league is in its evolution. Um, but. Uh, it's it's just a brutal, brutal defeat because you're right. I mean, within minutes in that locker room after the game, um, you know, Tim Bezbachenko and Josie Altador and some of these other guys were talking about CCL, Sebastian Javinko. Um, they wanted this really, really badly. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was a gut punch to watch. Um, but again, I also kind of knew once it went to penalties that Chivas was going to win. It just it just had that feel about it. So where does Toronto go from here? Is this a just a, bl- a blow that they accept and deal with and they just keep being what Toronto has been the last couple seasons or is this, was this the high point? It's a good question. I don't know. Um, it's, it's gotta be, I mean, it's gotta be tough to sort of fall like that and then think about how long, how far you've got to go to get back to that point again, to have another shot. Um, 
But at the same time, they, they did it. They managed it after losing to Seattle in 2016, right? I mean, they refocused themselves and, and um, you know, and, and finished the job the following year. I don't know if there are going to be cracks. Um, you know, guys, you know, there are guys getting a year older. Um, you know, Sebastian Javinko is uh, making some noise about wanting a contract extension. He didn't do the D-Row pay me sign, but, you know, <laughs> essentially did the D-Row pay me sign. Um you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's extremely difficult to keep teams together and motivated, especially in this league. Um, so we'll see. It's it, they've got a challenge ahead. They've got to rebound from this. They're in last place. Um, they've got to they've got to just simply start thinking about getting the points they need to make the playoffs. Right. I mean, I wonder right. if NYCFC and Atlanta are out of reach at this point, and they're right. talking about finishing, you know, gunning for for third place. Um, so it, it's just a brutal loss, and and. You know the ups and downs that some of those guys have had this year. I mean, think about the think about the last, you know, two years for a year and a half for guys like Michael and Josie, and just the the incredible um, whipsaw whiplash roller coaster that they've been on. It, it, it's a lot to take in. Well, it, it's fascinating to me to see Toronto and Seattle, the two best teams in MLS over the last two years. They've been in the final two years running. Uh, at the bottom of the league. And obviously this is MLS. So there's a lot of time to make up that difference, but we're not used to seeing those teams at the very bottom. Seattle loses again on Sunday night, LAFC opening its new stadium stoppage time goal on a free kick by Laurent Simon, who suddenly is like the most dangerous free kick taker in the league, which is bizarre. Uh, And a total shocking screw up by Stefan Fry to let the ball basically, which was knuckling, but still go was going right at him, bounce off his hands into the goal. He Robert greened it. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, and LAFC, amazing new stadium, great atmosphere, uh, five out of seven wins now, five and two, with only one of those games coming at home. And my only issue with the whole thing is, is the homophobic chants, uh, which we heard last night at uh, LAFC. Got to eradicate that from the league. Got to eradicate that from soccer. Not enough is being done, in my opinion. But you look at LAFC, and Bob Bradley has a team that people were wondering how good they would be. They looked to be pretty darn good. Well, and, and again, you know, going back to the, the idea of, of making plays, mastering moments, rising to occasions, intangibles, chemistry, um, you know, LAFC has not necessarily been the better team in every game, the better team in every moment. But like you said, five wins, five wins out of seven on the road. I mean, this is a team that even as it's finding its, its chemistry and its sort of tactical footing and, and figuring out where the holes might be, they're finding ways to win games while they're doing that. And that's a, that's a separate skill and a vital skill. Um, and, and they're getting that experience and that traction of finding ways to get points and get results before they even start hitting on all cylinders. So if I'm an LAFC fan or if I'm, if I'm Bob Bradley or if I'm one of their like 38 owners, like I think like one of their owners is like a Falcon. Is that what happened yesterday? I have there, no there was a Falcon. Yes. Uh, I don't know if it was hell, an owner. Whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's that to me, in addition to obviously having guys like Carlos Vela and uh, who, who, who can change games and who are worth paying to see play, um, 
you've got a team that's that's learning how to win together and learning how to find ways to win and and you know that that Simon free kick is is what happens to Madrid late in game that's what Madrid does like they like for some reason the other goalie like volleyballs it into his own net when you play for Madrid and if LAFC is 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 somehow absorbing some of that that mojo, then then yeah, watch out um, because it doesn't look like Seattle's got it right now, right? So the West is uh, the West is wide open. It is, and yeah, um, just really interested to see if LAFC can keep this up and and be a contender to be the best team out West. Um, yeah, there's a long, long ways to go, obviously, and and yet I'm finding this MLS regular season a bit more compelling than most so far, and I'm wondering if that stays that way. Um, still too many playoff teams. Still too many playoff teams, but like, you know, I'm fired up for the New York Derby this week. I was fired up to watch LAFC against Seattle. I was fired up to watch NYCFC Atlanta. Like, there's, it seems like there's at least one or two games every week. That I, agree with that. I agree with that. I'm excited I, to see. I agree with that, but I would also, I agree with that, but I would also say there's three or four games that I have no interest in seeing. <laughs> so, so until, and this is the point about Toronto, right? This is what I'm saying that it's not, a, it, it's not necessarily, yes, yes, it's now true in MLS that a team, if everything goes right and if it has the, the, the wherewithal can do what Toronto did, but not enough teams are doing that. So, so it's nice that, that the, the leeway is now there, but there are, there, there, there are a handful of teams in this league that are that are must see, um, but until there are more, and until the, the 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 stories and the style is more compelling at more teams, please forgive me. Um, until the story and the style are compelling in more teams, then we're not going to have better ratings. We're not going to have more people interested, and and there's not going to be that consistent contention and application in CCL that eventually is going to knock the door down. It, it has to be multiple clubs, you know, contending and competing to sort of eventually pull level with league MX and, and MLS just isn't there yet. I wanted to end actually, I'm calling an audible here from our script because we didn't think about it, but our ambition rankings came out recently. Oh, they did. Right, right, right. And, uh, we got a co byline on that. I want to say publicly that you did much more of the work than I did. Um, but I appreciate your willingness to share the Kobe line. Um, and people seem to enjoy the ambition rankings. And I was wondering sort of what you thought about the process this year and some of the response that we've gotten. Yeah, it's an audible. Um, <laughs> sorry. I certainly underestimated the amount of work involved. So while I may have carried the load this time, this, you've been doing this for seven years now. So um, you know, you're, you're still way, way ahead of me on the hours logged on ambition rankings scale. Um, I, I, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my career was copy edit because I didn't want to, I mean, Avi can obviously do that, but I didn't want to dump, I, I didn't want to dump all that word salad on him. So I copy edited to the best of my ability, all of the re- survey responses from the clubs. Yeah. And oh my God, that was soul crushing. Like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, communications professionals putting apostrophes in plural words. Um, and that's is, not this, even. This is where we also thank them for responding to our survey questions. We found, you're right. I'm a jerk. I'm, so this is why I have no friends. <laughs> this is why I spend this is why I spend the weekends having 
imaginary tea parties with my Twitter followers. <laughs> why nobody likes me. Um, thank you for, for responding. Um, and, but, but it's like occasionally you'd get a, you'd get a text from someone saying like, Hey, where are the rankings? Where are the rankings? And you're like, I've got 18,000 words of this to, to go through <laughs> and, and you don't know what decimal points are. So give me a second. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, I think the thing that, 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 that the overall theme that popped out for me was the idea that we're, and again, this is about leeway. This is about MLS teams having a bit more leeway and what they choose to do with that, um, is that there, there are, there are now ways to measure ambition besides first team player salaries. Right. And I, and that's cool. And, and the t- obviously the team that jumps to mind there is rail salt Lake who you, um, you know, for clarity purposes for everyone, Grant ranked the teams and I wrote the, the blurbs. Um, so that was kind of, that was kind of the way we shared the work. Um, and you, you gave rail salt Lake a, a real boost in the ranking and that was an easy, uh, that was an easy blurb to write because of all the things they're doing outside of the first team to build a full service comprehensive club from the USL stadium, the women's team, um, the massive training facility they've built, uh, the satellite training facilities they're going to build reaching into Arizona. Um, they're doing so much at the grassroots and from the ground up to build something cohesive. Um, and, and yeah, they could blow all that money on two or three DPs. Um, but they're choosing to spend it another way. And, right. and and that's ambitious too, and and that's what kind of jumped out at me. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad that we together, as part of the the research process, talked about what kind of questions, survey questions, we wanted to give to each team, and and got into what we're going to value when we talk about ambition. And yes, of course, spending on players is part of that, uh, but so is spending on other areas. So is having an identity that you say you are what you want to be and then do things to try and achieve that. Yeah. One thing you, one thing you seem to value is based upon sort of your, your, your ranking and, 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 and the, the sort of the insight you gave back to me was does a, does a club have traction in its market? Does it have presence? Does it, does it matter to people? Um, because in a sense that's up to you, right? I mean, what kind of marketing and outreach and identity and personality and messaging and voice and, and all of these kinds of things, what do you do to mean something, um, to fans in your city? And, and, and a lot of the notes you sent to me about your ranking were based on sort of that idea. I think that we try to reach out to these groups. We try to market this way, you know, our stadium is here and it's empty. Our stadium is here and it's full. Um, that seems to be something that you, you prioritize. Yeah. I mean, I even just look at New York here and, you know, I, I live in Manhattan. I spend time in New Jersey. Um, and the the New York Red Bulls just don't do as much as NYCFC to be relevant in the day-to-day lives of New Yorkers. And a lot of that's marketing. Uh, it's other stuff as well. And I'll, I'll admit that I underestimated NYCFC's original sales pitch of we are a five boroughs team. And we're going to play our games in New York City. And unfortunately, the Red Bulls are generally viewed in New York as a New Jersey team, if they're viewed at all with any sort of thoughts. And and not enough people in New York, I think, are even really aware that the Red Bulls exist as, as, 
as good as that team has been on the field at times. Right, and, and as, that's as great a stadium as they have. They do. They do so many other things. They're the model in so many ways. Um, from their stadium, uh, you know, to the, to their youth structure and academy and USL and all that kind of stuff. And they, they do a lot of great things. But um, I mean, you'd know better than me. You 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 live up there. Um, so um, yeah, and NYCFC opened their training center last week. Um, they were uh, helpful with the survey. Um, you know, I, I I think they're in a lot of ways. You know, now that they've sort of moved through. You know, you you had you had a, a foreign ownership group kind of getting used to the way things are done here. You had the the growing pains of roster building, and obviously, um, you know, Lampard and Pirlo, uh, you know, did, weren't weren't uh, you know David Villa, um, and uh, you know, it, it seem it seems like they're starting to finally kind of get their sea legs, and and uh, that that's a that's a good sign, and and hopefully that the rivalry creates incentive on both sides to to get better. Yeah, so I'd say to listeners, if you haven't had a chance to look at the ambition rankings, check them out. Um, there's a lot that's there. Uh, a lot of MLS teams are doing very well on the ambition side of things because it's a ranking system. There's several teams that aren't as much. And it's ner- it's a nerdy thing, but it, it always interests me also what which which what teams choose to reveal in these surveys and what they don't. Right. Um, you know, and for for every for every you know, for Rail Salt Lake and LA Galaxy that send you paragraphs upon paragraphs of information um, to the clubs that that don't won't reveal financial figures answer in one sentence. If it well, one sentence, like I said, I mean, punctuation is a lost art. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep doubling down on this. <laughs> um, and uh, and then one club that didn't respond at all. Um, which did, I don't know that we've had that before. So, did, did Minnesota ever respond even after this stuff came out? Uh, I, I yes, and and that's I was I, <laughs> I was not. I'm not going to on the record someone who 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 uh, you know didn't realize that they were were on the record. But yes, they responded. They're aware of it. Um, it's not. Uh, don't hold it against their uh, their PR team, which is very good. Lots of nice folks in Minnesota, by the way. Um, let's finish up the podcast. And, and I, I will say it's good to be back on the horse again. It's good to talk to you. And let's do it again sometime soon. All right, man. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on Amazon and now on Fubo TV. Recent guests include Becky Sauerbrunn, Miguel Almiron, John Strong, and Rory Smith. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast 
Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.